This episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook of your choice that you get to keep with their free trial. You can learn more at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 80. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we're going to Chestertown, Maryland to talk to Pastor Jim Driscoll. He is the pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church there in Chestertown. Pastor Driscoll, welcome to the show. Nicholas, good morning. How are you? Doing well. Today we've got, we're in Chestertown. Help orient us. Where is that in Maryland? Chestertown is on what is called the eastern shore of Maryland. Now, that eastern shore is in respect to the Chesapeake Bay, okay? It doesn't abut the Atlantic Ocean. Delaware's on the other side of us. You have to drive through Delaware to get to the Atlantic Ocean from here. When you hear somebody say the eastern shore, that means the eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay. Western shore of Chesapeake Bay is where... You know, the main part of Maryland is, Pennsylvania is, uh, Virginia. And just to give you even more of an idea, the bridge that you would cross in order to get across the bay uh, to get on this side, uh, the the, uh, Chesapeake Bay Bridge, is almost right in the middle between Baltimore and Washington. So you would drive pretty much down to 95, probably down to the Bay Bridge, You'd be halfway down to Washington from there, drive across the Bay Bridge, take a left from there, and it's about probably 40, 45 minutes north of the Bay Bridge. So it's right on the Chesapeake. And just to give you more of an idea, uh, when when this was colonized, this little town here was considered to be a crown colony. This was expected to be one of the main ports. And there's still a British custom house that was built in 1730, I think, um, that uh, they can go into. And it's been preserved. And it's really, really neat to, to look at. But it's, you know, those days ended about mid-1800s. And, uh, you know, Baltimore has become the, uh, the main shipping port uh, for this area. I see. A lot of Lutherans came in through Baltimore. Oh, Okay. Well, let's let's talk more about that in a little bit. Before we do, I'd like to hear a little bit more about you and how you came to what where you've lived before and how you came to Chesterton. Chester Sure. Town. Chestertown. <laughs> okay. I had to get that I had to get that beaten in my head for a year. <laughs> my wife and I are from uh, the, the Boston area. It's pretty much where we both grew up and we left there in 2005, so so we lived there pretty much all our lives. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, as I was saying to you, it's uh, Chestertown is so different from the rest of, the, rest of uh, the East Coast of Massachusetts. I'm very used to, uh, from business or military, traveling the East Coast of, of Massachusetts, from Boston down to, uh, to Richmond, Alexandria. Uh, and I never even realized this was here. And the only reason I'm, I do triathlons, and there was a triathlon right in this uh, in this area. 
and before I even knew anything about what was going on. So I just did the race. I just picked it arbitrarily, came over, did the race, came back. So when the church called me to do an interview and I came down here, I started looking around. I'm going, I've been here before. <laughs> and uh, so it's almost uh, kind of weird Providence. I'm a weird third career kind of guy. I, I spent uh, 20 years in corporate finance. I worked for, uh, started with Chase Manhattan. I worked for Motorola, worked for Fleet National Bank. I worked for the uh, Massachusetts State Treasurer. And at the same time, I was in the uh, military reserve, Coast Guard Reserve. All told, they spent 29 years in the in the Coast Guard. Needless to say, the last four years of that was uh, on active duty with pretty much everybody else. And uh, being on active duty during the uh, what was called the global war on terror, got to do some uh, some really uh, interesting stuff and retired from that. And um, the corporate world isn't always very kind to uh, people who uh, you know serve in the military. So after four years of being out of that loop, it, it was it was almost kind of uh, again it was almost kind of ordained that uh, from there that the corporate door was being closed and the, uh, the the ministry door was being swung wide open and uh, through a bunch of just kind of weird circumstances 2005 we ended up packing up our, our selling our house of 20 years and packing up our stuff we raised our uh, three children there. And uh, my wife Marge and I, and it's it's really tough leaving a home after 20 years of raising your your children there, in, in many respects. And uh, but uh, it really was it was almost crazy how uh, smoothly it went. How it was like, yeah, now keep going, keep going. Um, so you know, the Holy Spirit was just kind of. The wind at my back, pretty much moving me along, uh, doing uh, you know doing what he wanted to do. Um, but uh, yeah, in the in the Coast Guard, I I was mostly at a boat station, uh, so I, I did a lot of search and rescue. Even as reserves, you have to fit in. You you, you have to be operational. You have to be a part of the uh, the crew. More so, actually, <laughs> they expect a little more because you, you've been there so long. Regular kind of come and go. Um, and so I got to do a lot of search and rescue, a lot of law enforcement, other, just kind of the other uh, foreign protection and uh, not foreign d dignitary protection, working with Secret Service and local police, you know, just kind of a lot of stuff like that. Uh, right around the time, just before 9-11, uh, about 1999, I was I moved into a uh, Naval Coastal Warfare unit, which is a that's a unit that uh, they were beginning to different kind of forms of units they were organizing in order to be more proactive about protecting uh, American interest, shipping interest and allied interest. That was when the call had gotten blown up. And so they wanted to put in place different types of units to uh, make sure that that didn't happen. So uh, when I got activated, that was uh, that was the unit I was in. I uh, was deployed down to Puerto Rico to do some force protection stuff with the Navy down there. And then we went to Spain for uh, about 10 weeks and uh, we did force protection over there for uh, uh, for a lot of big Navy ships and Army, Marine, uh, 
exercises that were going on inland uh, from uh, from where we were in Spain. Yeah, that sounds like a, a really interesting past and vocation. I want to step back for just a second and, and kind of return to Chestertown and talk about the the contrast that you see between the culture in Boston and the culture there. What are some of the, the major differences you've seen? Well, to give you a perspective in numbers, it, I mean, it's very rural. Um, the, the town that we're at here, Chestertown, I, I, people told me different population. Let's just freeze, a, you know, the population of the town itself is about 10,000 people. The city I grew up in outside of Boston is 100,000 people. The high school I went to was 6,000 students. You know, I mean, probably there there aren't really that many people in the town of Chestertown. Uh, the county is 30,000 people. It's a little more populated south from here because it has become more of a uh, bedroom community to, uh, to Baltimore and D.C. And, and those areas down there. I'll tell you what, man, when, uh, when, when things get stuck on the Bay Bridge, there's a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth, shall we say. You know what I'm saying? It uh, makes for the, the Bay Bridge is somewhere about two miles long. I, I remember one time I spent two hours right in the middle of the day trying to get across the uh, bridge from this side to go uh, to Baltimore. So, um, you know, it's, it's very... I won't say it's isolated, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, let me put it this way. I got to go 45 minutes to get a, a, a double Whopper. Okay. You got to go <laughs> an hour to get to Walmart. Right. I mean, uh, you know, it's it just, it's probably done a lot for my, uh, my weight program. Cause I don't need a lot of, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, but on the other hand, it's, it's a really, really nice little community. It's becoming more of a, a retirement community. Uh, the uh, median age here is is going up because people are retiring here, um, and it really, it's there's a lot of uh, real potential here. Uh, you know, people are kind of feeling the loss of of uh, you know younger people, but to to be frank, <laughs> um, there's, there's there's a limited amount of opportunity here for younger people, people just starting families. Let me put it that way. You know, it's it's just not really that close. Most of the families really don't want to have to commute. DC's uh, not quite two hours from here, maybe an hour and a half from here. Uh, Baltimore about the same, and and that's without traffic. That's you know going straight through. Dover, Delaware is about an hour from here. Um, you know, all the all the different parts of Delaware are essentially an hour. Um, you know, there's, there's stuff to do in Delaware, uh, but it's cheaper to live in Delaware. So people are going to work in Delaware. They're going to live in Delaware, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's very agricultural here. I'm still I'm still trying to reconcile uh, having a wheat field in my backyard and a cornfield across the street from me in my front yard and you know, on, on the side of us, like you said, I never even knew they grew wheat on the East Coast until we moved here. One of the uh, families in the church has uh, one of the largest pork, uh, hog raising, pig raising operations facilities on the East Coast. So there's not a lot of <clears throat> livestock raising, but there is, you know, enough. There's, uh, there's people who raise uh, chickens. There's people who mostly cattle farming. 
a lot of people raise horses here. It's very flat. My mother's from Western Kansas, so I've been to Western Kansas, been through Kansas a couple of times. And uh, it's not quite as flat as Kansas. And there's a lot more vegetation, a lot more trees, a lot, uh, you know. Um, so, it, you know, there is that difference, but it's still flat. I mean, you can go miles and not even hit a good hill. I, like you said, I do triathlons and uh, it's you got to really look here just to kind of get a few places where you can kind of do some climbs on your bicycle to get you know, a really good work. But it's it's also nice because you can just get down and just go straight, you know, really uh, run or bike. Uh, and uh, literally that same triathlon I do passes right in front of the house we live in now. So it's it's really pretty neat. I'll talk. I go do my swim workouts in the uh, Chesapeake uh, at least once a week. And uh, so it's it's I always tell people here, it's like, you know, seriously, you just have just the perfect location. We had one time the first winter we were here where um, it had snowed Saturday night and it was basically about maybe two inches of snow, you know. So I'm just out outside kind of dusting everything off. And the president of the congregation calls me up and he says, well, we're not having uh, worship today, right? And I'm like, okay, did the, the, the furnace blow up? Is there a hole in the ceiling or something? You know, and I was not being a wise guy. I just didn't understand. I was sure there was some kind of casualty. He said, well, no, no, we just we just don't have, uh, you know, uh, worship. And I'm saying like, well, uh, you know, can you tell me why? And he said, well, it snowed. And I'm like, <laughs> Help me out here a little. <laughs> oh, we don't have worship when it snows. I said, look, dude, I'm from Boston. Okay. <laughs> yeah. One year we got 110 inches of snow. All right. I'm not going to cancel uh, worship. inches of snow. Okay. Uh, I'll be there. Whoever else shows up. Great. You know, so we had about 17 people. That's kind of very, very temperate. It really doesn't get that hot and humid in the summer. Really doesn't get that cold in the winter. Um, just very, very, you know, real mild. Uh, not that humid. You would think being this close to D.C. It would be, and then, uh, you know, Norfolk, uh, Tidewater, that kind of area. It's, it's about three hours north of uh, the uh, Tidewater area in Virginia. And, um, you know, you would think it would be just really brutally humid and it's not you know it's just primo so you know i always tell people it's like you got the sweet spot here you got the the crabs and the, all the fish in the chesapeake you've got the, all the corn and the weed around you the weather is just right i mean so you can really understand why a lot of people would want to retire to here you know it just is right in that sweet spot so absolutely so it sounds like We've already covered a, a lot of what, what I'd expect to hear from you when I say, what are some of the best things about the area? We've talked about the temperate weather, the slower, the more rural orientation. Are there other things that you would want to say about the best things about Chestertown? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, there is. Look, the only downside is is you got to go forty five minutes to get a double whopper. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or if you got to go an hour to go, I, I can't even remember the last time I was in a department store. You know, I mean, it's it's a very historic area. Uh, when they had the um, bicentennial for the uh, War of eighteen twelve, 
there was was a lot of stuff going on. I've I've only been here three years, so I, I wasn't here to see that. But it, you know, I, I know of it. There's a um, there's a, a battlefield from that war that's about three miles uh, east from my house. The uh, the commander of the uh, British forces was Peter Parker. So apparently Spider-Man was here back in 1814 fighting the Americans. So it's very historic. Like you said, it was a uh, it was a crown seaport during the they have a uh, they have a tea party here, which kind of freaked me out. Uh, but it was basically for the same reason that they had the tea party in Boston. Uh, they were that was a uh, protest against uh, the uh, the taxes. And uh, every year right around this time, it, those things have been canceled because of, you know, what's the stuff going on. But uh, right around this time every year, normally uh, they have a reenactment of the Tea Party. Uh, they have uh, a couple of uh, down at the pier. They have a couple of old uh, vessels down there. There's uh, real nice beaches uh, around here, but it really is kind of um, – you know, it, it, it's it's really kind of a secret. Nobody really knows about it, which, you know, in a lot of ways, okay, fine. You know, <laughs> nobody else wants to come here. I'm good with it, you know, except they'd like to have a lot more people in, uh, in worship, obviously. So just, just a real lot of upside. There are a lot of nice places to stay if you want to visit, a lot of nice places to uh, eat. When I say a lot, you know, not, but the places that are here, you Get great, great uh, Italian food. My, uh, we we're renting a house from the guy who owns the Italian restaurant here, Luisa's. And really, I'm from the Boston area. Okay, I mean that is real Italian food, and I'll tell you, it's the Luisa's is right up there with that. Great calamari, great uh, chicken parm, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I can't remember the other places, uh, but uh, sorry, great, good seafood. You know, there's good seafood places around here. Uh, obviously, uh, crab is uh, Chesapeake Bay crab is uh, a big hot item, and you can get a lot of places around here uh, for that. Um, so, I, I'm really, there is just just a lot of upside here. Uh, there's still uh, some remnants of uh, antebellum era. Uh, there are different plantations, a um, couple of different plantations. In fact, I run one, I run by one in the morning, and it's still pretty much the the land's been developed, but the uh, plantation itself is, looks pretty much like it would have back in you know 1860. So you know a lot of those kinds of uh, different things to see. But again, you're not going to have to contend with a crowd. You know, if you get there, you'll pretty much be there. You know handful of other people and relax and enjoy kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. If you enjoy listening to audio and to the Lutheran Cartographer, you will also enjoy Audible. It's a service from Amazon that gets you a audiobook of your choice every month. And you can also try out the service for free for 30 days that comes with a free audiobook that you get to keep, even if you decide not to continue with their service. Check it out at lutherancartographer.com audible. If you're looking for a book to explore this month, I would recommend checking out Pastor Will Wheaton's Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, Recovering the Joys of Piety. It's a book about Lutheran piety, not pietism. And it was a great blessing to me as I listened to it on my trip out to Missouri. So check it out at lutherancartographer.com slash audible.
let's get back to our guest. Let's talk about the flip side. We've, uh, what are some of the challenges about being in the area? Well, like I said, any place you have to go 45 minutes to get a double whopper. I mean, that's very upsetting. Uh, but uh, Tragic, really. <laughs> I've survived for three years, so I guess I'll keep going, you know. Um, but, uh, but I mean, on the upside, there's a lot of great, uh, great places, a lot of good food, weaning me off bad stuff and getting me onto good seafood. And, you know, I, I gotta say it's, it's not quite Boston area seafood, but it's still very good. Okay. I mean, you know, on a scale of 10, Boston being 10, Chester town's like eight and a half. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Being in the Coast Guard, let's face it, I had a lot of access to <laughs> lobster and you know all that kind of thing so i mean you know it it, it is kind of remote and, and when i say that i don't mean you know out in the mountains or something like that but i mean it is pretty much anything uh you know more than you know you got to go about an hour to to get to you have to go to either Dover, Delaware, or uh, Middletown, uh, Delaware, Centerville is about 30 minutes from here. They have a little more, uh, but, you know, again, not a whole lot. Um, you can go down to Easton, which is kind of almost an hour, and uh, this, that's pretty pretty developed down there. Uh, you know, healthcare is a little remote. My, my wife had a stroke uh, two years ago. And so, you know, the logistics of, of getting her, you know, into the hospital and they got her there and they took care of her. You know, it's like a critical care facility and then they got her stabilized. They got her taken care of and they got her airlifted to Baltimore. But being from an area where I'm, you know, maybe 40 minutes from some of the best hospitals in the world, you know, uh, but, you know, obviously Johns Hopkins is here. Uh, University of Maryland um, is, is right in Baltimore, too. So that that is kind of a trade off there a little. Uh, the folks that are at the local facility here are great. They do a great job. But, you know, there there is that issue where there's only so much they can do. And then they got to move you to some place in Delaware or, or Baltimore uh, for, uh, for, for much more specialized. So, I, you know, if I would if I would pick on anything, you know, those would be the only ones. And again, those are extreme kind of situations, you know, uh, for pretty much anything you'd want to do day to day for for a living. Um, you really is just you really it's it's it would be a great place for for folks to retire to or it'd be a great place. A lot of uh, people who are kind of you know, mid-career, late career also live here because, you know, it's, it's not, not to, it, they feel it's worth it to, to commute from here to, to D.C. because the lifestyle here is, you know, a lot more quiet. And uh, the prices on the other side of the bay, prices here are not cheap, not by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but on the other side of the bay, you know, the closer you get to D.C., they're just, you know, mind-numbing uh and that's from somebody who you know moved out of the boston area um you know it's it's it is very expensive to to live on the uh, western shore so you know in that respect it's it is less expensive to live here it's not cheap but it, it is less expensive uh to live here so if you wanted to commute to dc it's kind of a trade-off uh, costs are less but you know the commuting's more 
six and one. Yeah. Well, let's move on and talk about what it's like to be Lutheran there. You mentioned earlier the the German immigrants. What's the the history of Lutheranism in the area, and are Lutherans known if you ask the average person in the street on the street? Well, okay, I mean, you know, I, I, I give you a couple of perspectives because my first call was to a, a church in York, Pennsylvania. And York, Pennsylvania is about a forty mile straight shot from um, from Baltimore north, and uh, the the church there was built in the 1870s, huge cathedral church right in the middle of it. It was built in order to be the tallest structure in York at the time. And a lot of German immigrants were moved from Baltimore up up to there uh, because York was very German. It was it was William Penn went to Germany uh, to bring people back to populate Pennsylvania because, you know, they, they wanted to develop that area. Uh, I, I'm kind of related to the Adams family, John Adams, John Quincy Adams, John Adams was, uh, was, uh, was in New York when they uh, moved the uh, Continental Congress there. And uh, he did not like York because it was dirty and, and everybody spoke German. Nobody spoke English. <laughs> so I, I didn't share that a lot with people in York while I was there, you know, that I was related. But, uh, you know, just to kind of give you an idea. But, yeah, you know, Baltimore itself, there are a lot of real old. In fact, there's still one church in Baltimore uh, that still does a lot of uh, German services. Even in York, we tried to do... Uh, at least uh, one Christmas uh, uh, service in, in German, one Easter service in German. The but you got to remember the history of Maryland. The history of Maryland was uh, that this was a land grant to a a, a Roman Catholic uh, nobleman who uh, was given the land grant as a intentional. Uh, basically refuge for Roman Catholics uh, in, in the British Empire. The British Empire was not real friendly to Roman Catholics, so this was a place where Roman Catholics could go uh, and, and really express uh, freedom of religion. Uh, but, um, you know, the reality was it was still an English colony, so needless to say, the Anglican Church uh, was very prominent. And on the eastern shore, uh, the Anglican Church is very prominent. Uh, there really isn't a whole lot of Roman Catholic presence on the on the Eastern Shore, uh, but there are some very old, very venerable um, uh, Anglican churches on the shore. In fact, there's one where I've done a couple of funerals or interments uh, at that uh, the cemetery has. Uh, they're buried there. Uh, people who fought in every single war dating back to the French and Indian War. So it, again, uh, gives you a very, very historic, the, the, the congregation, the parish there obviously goes back at least to the French and Indian War. Uh, there's another congregation that's, that's closer to where I live uh, that also uh, goes back to the uh, early, mid-1700s. So, you know, it, it, there is kind of this, and I'm, I'm not even really sure that there really is as much presence of the uh, Roman Catholic presence now as, as there was. I know there still is, uh, but, um, you know, back in the day, that was what it was intended for. Um, and so to be Lutheran here, in terms of that, needless to say, you're kind of in that mix. You're at the lower end of that mix because 
Uh, most people, again, would think of it more in terms of being Anglican and Roman Catholic. But it is very uh, – Baltimore itself, as I said, has uh, some very prominent uh, uh, Lutheran churches there. Uh, and there's still, as I said, uh, one that still has a lot of uh, – uses uh, speaks German a lot. Uh, so a lot of history in, in terms of that. Muhlenberger immigrated to the United States through Baltimore – uh, up to uh, Pennsylvania. So this whole area, in terms, especially in terms of the eastern coast, not so much in terms of LCMS, but in terms of Lutheran, uh, it has a very deep history. In fact, the church right around the corner where I was in York, uh, was, um, the, the, it's the oldest Lutheran church uh, west of the Susquehanna River. Um, so, and that was dedicated by Muhlenberg, I think like back in 1740, something like that. So, um, uh, the area in general, yes, is it's Lutheran churches is, is prominently known. Nothing like in Missouri or, you know, Wisconsin or uh, Texas or, you know, those places, not even, you know, close to that, uh, Illinois, uh, you know, let's face it, if Illinois, Minnesota, Missouri slid off, the, the, the LCMS would almost be cut in half. So, I mean, it, it's nowhere near to that extent. And, and the history of the Lutheran Church here is predominantly what was called the Pennsylvania Ministerium, uh, which is the, the root of uh, the, uh, the EL, what is now the ELCA. Um, but... Um, you know, it, the, the church I was at was built in 1870 in York. Um, and so that it was always unabashedly LCMS. Um, and uh, the, the church here, church here, relatively speaking, is a lot newer. It started, it was founded as a mission church uh, in about 1930. So it is interesting that it was kind of founded in, you know, right at the beginning of the uh, Depression. Um, being a rural agricultural community, my sense is, and I haven't seen a whole lot about it, but my sense is, is that there wasn't that kind of, you know, real desperate poverty. There was a lot here. People could live, you know, um, people were still going to grow wheat and corn. They were still going to go out and fish in the uh, Chesapeake. So there was, and then, you know, raise uh, farm animals. So there was accessibility, uh, you know, in terms of eating and, and building things, you know, but in terms of the, you know, say the nicer things in life, like, you know, new clothes and new shoes or, um, yeah, that kind of stuff. But again, the climate here is so temperate that it wasn't like you had people sitting out in the middle of fields in 95 degree weather or, you know, uh, being hovered away because, uh, you know, there was a foot of snow on the ground or anything. It does snow here. It, it you know, it does get cold, but you know, nothing like New England. You know? it's, uh, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of in that area where the, the, the conditions never got bad um, and so, you know, it, when the church was established here as, as a mission church, it started on a pretty, you know, decent footing. Um, but again, the population's never really changed since the uh, since the American Revolution. So it's never really been very well populated. Like you said, the county is thirty thousand. 
And I'll tell you, my part of the, the city I grew up in was probably about 30,000, you know, and we were, you know, uh, very urban. I won't say we were packed in, but, you know, it was very urban. You know? Yeah, that uh, very, makes sense. Yeah, what you Just would think very of dense, right? Urban. Exactly. Yeah. Eastern Europe, urban. Okay. Well, let's go on. I want to make sure that we have the time to, to get yep. to a few of our last questions. And I understand that for your part, your your family is most, mostly grown and gone. But what do you think it's like for your parishioners to raise children there in Chestertown? I mean, it really is. It, it really is very nice. And then if you uh, own a family farm or, uh, you know, you have a business or you, or you do the commute or something like that. Um, and, and, and kids are growing up here, taking over the family farm. Um, and, and, you know, it's, 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 it's not farming like you would see in, in Kansas or it's not huge. It's not massive, but it's still more than enough to, to support a family, you know, and in this day and age, uh, raising agriculture, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's being done on a lot less land, you know, uh, we're feeding a lot more people and using a lot less land. And so, you know, in, in terms of that, um, farming can be done, uh, with enough in order to, yeah, raise a family, have a nice family life, have a nice life and not really have to, you know, the, you don't have to work crazy, silly hours, uh, you know, in order to accomplish that. Uh, I'm not encouraging people to come out and buy a farm. I'm not even sure you can anymore. You know, it's, um, I, I don't know, maybe you can. Uh, but uh, and, and there are a few places that are industry here. Um, so, I mean, it's and, you know, it, it is a nice place for kids because they really can. You don't have to go far. You can find a place to learn how to horseback ride. Um, there are there, there are beaches. You, I can, you know, drive pretty easily down to uh, a beach. Um, so, I mean, during the summer, there's not a lot the kids can do, but there is stuff you can do, you know, uh, maybe there's not a lot of, uh, supervised activity, but there's still a lot of stuff to do, you know, for kids. Um, you want to go take a hike, you want to go through, you know, different parts. There's historic parts of the, the, the town. Um, the, uh, town has, um, you know, a lot of, uh, historic landmarks and really I, I haven't, it's small area wise. Know, it's probably maybe four square miles, um, but uh, packed in there, it's still very much reminds you of colonial uh, America. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, there's one boat that's there that dates back to the 1740s. It's a replica of a boat that brought, uh, brought Swedish settlers into the area. Uh, Delaware was uh, very uh, settled by a lot of Swedish uh, uh, immigrants coming over from Sweden. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. You can go over to the battlefield that's near where I live. Uh, there's a couple other battlefield areas that, uh, that you can go in and look at. It's not much there, but you know, you just take it in, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of nice. Uh, the school system here is really, really good. It's certainly not dense. You know, <laughs> if you, if you send your kids to school here, they're gonna. It's there's gonna be a real nice ratio of, of teachers to students, and, and they got great teachers. Uh, one of the members of the congregation here is uh, the former track coach of the high school, 
and uh, very well known in the area. Everybody knows Denny um, and uh, really great. He's president of the congregation, great leader. He really is uh, really. He was a uh, he was a he was an elite track athlete uh, at uh, Eastern Michigan University back in his time. He went from there to being a uh, a Marine lieutenant uh, for four years and. Um, you know, so I mean, there's that kind of environment. He's he's the science teacher there. Every year, he in in the public schools, he has kind of a little uh, planetarium, uh, and he does a show in there uh, during Christmas. And he you know gives an overview of the sky and stuff. But then he kind of focuses on the the star of Bethlehem and the uh, you know the the night sky uh, when uh, when Jesus was. Yeah, let's let's move on. I want to make sure that we have time to to get to what your favorite things in the area are. And I'm going to do something a little difficult. This is kind of like picking your favorite hymn. But what would you say two two places to eat maybe in the area and two things to do? I do triathlons, like you said. You know, so I mean, I get the chance to get on my bike and go for miles, and I don't have to deal with congestion. I don't have to deal with um, uh, people. I can just. Uh, I, I can drive down to where I go swimming on my bike. It's about 10 miles down, 10 miles back. Um, I can I can go out and run again. I'm not putting up with congestion or, or population. It was a little funny, you know, when we were all supposed to wear face masks. You know, even when you run, you have to go wear a face mask. And I'm like, if I run into two people and the whole time that I do my run, you know, about an hour to run, I, I'd be lucky. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, don't get me started on that whole thing. Oh. But anyways, uh, you know, so, I mean, you have the opportunity to uh, to do those kind of things. Um, Washington College is literally, we're at the intersection to uh, Washington College. Washington College was the first college chartered in the United States after the American Revolution. It was chartered by George Washington. He signed the charter. He was there. He was here at the uh, at the dedication of, of the college. He, he helped dedicate the college. So there still is that historic element, and, and they certainly emphasize uh, that. Um, and, and it's really neat to, you know, be right across the street and uh, kind of be more part of, of that culture. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I, I if, if I would say that there's a go to thing that I would do here all the time. I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's sort of like you got to kind of figure out the where you're at that day and what you what you feel like doing. And so, again, there's, cert there's certainly things here to do, uh, but, um, you know, it it's just not on the same scale as, as living outside of Boston or, you know, that kind of thing. If you, But if you get real, you know, you can certainly drive to D.C. It's not that big a deal to, to get to D.C. If you want to see the Red Sox and the Orioles, it's not a big deal to get across the bridge, see the, get to Camden Yards. It's not that far at all. Um, maybe hour 20, something like that. Uh, pretty much Boston during rush hour, you know, uh, 25 miles. It takes an hour and a half to get in the Fenway, you know, go figure. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, so, I mean, Annapolis is right at the other side of the bridge. So you can go down and, and see the Naval Academy from there and all the stuff. Another very historic, very uh, you can go to the chapel there. And uh, that's where John Paul Jones is buried and the chapel 
is always playing eternal uh, father, strong to save. Um, and uh, that's the real Navy hymn, not anchors away, eternal father. Um, so um, just a, a lot of, lot of history. It, it is laid back. And a lot of times a little too laid back for me. I'm a little, you know, let's go. Uh, so that kind of rubs people wrong way. But uh, sorry. But uh, give it a slower pace of life kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I guess we're winding down a little, but, you know, I, I got a long way to go. Uh, I'm not the slower pace kind of life. So I go out and cause trouble and find things. to. So anyway. Nice. All right. Sort of the wrong method of ministry. Go throw a bomb and then, you know, <laughs> but. <laughs> and see what happens. All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Pastor Driscoll, as we start to close out the podcast, I want to make sure to give you the opportunity to point our listeners where you'd like. Your church's website, places to follow you online. Yep. Where would you like to point our listeners? I'm stupid. I forgot to get the, I knew I forgot one thing to do. Uh, we, we, we have a Facebook page. Uh, our website's on the Facebook page. Uh, the the website is a little cryptic, and I give it to you wrong. You're going to end up in who knows where. I don't want you to do that. Yeah, it looks like your church's website is Trinity Lutheran, all one word, dash chestertown.org. Thank you for having looked that up. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, and dear listener, you can find links to that on the show notes page for this episode, which is going to be lutherancartographer.com slash 80. Is there anything else that the, the listeners should know about? Like you said, we, we've lived here three years now, three years this month. And, um, you know, we, we've had a family situation with, with my wife's condition. But uh, nonetheless, it's, it's still been a great place. Uh, the folks here are really great, really supportive. Um, I think that uh, if you come down, you want to uh, check out the church here. Um, it's, it's fairly modest in appearance, but... Uh, you know, that can be a little deceiving. Uh, we've started to do some really great stuff here. And, uh, really looking forward to uh, getting past all the COVID and all the other conditions and situations and getting our feet on the ground and really starting to, to get some traction and get going and getting past some, a lot of distractions. It's just been, oh, man, just very frustrating. Like, Yeah, this last year and a quarter has been pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, my wife's condition is, is settled a lot, too. So I'm in a position now where, you know, we've set uh, we've set a lot of uh, we've set a lot of foundation to uh, uh, start to get going again. So that's what uh, we're looking to do in the next uh, by by the fall is to, to really get things, uh, you know, uh, ramped up and, and get going and uh, put the past behind. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you again for coming on the show. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners? Well, Nicholas, I appreciate uh, talking to you. Appreciate the opportunity being here. And, uh, you know, I, I, as I was saying, I, I think that this is a, a really good resource. I hope this is something that maybe uh, the LCMS as a whole uh, can uh, uh, kind of uh, hook on to because uh it, it would be nice, uh, especially for pastors, to, to be able to hear somebody else talk about, uh, uh, you know, if, if they've gotten a call to some area to hear uh, uh, somebody else talk about that area and uh, give them a lot more uh, to uh, describe. Because a lot of the stuff I kind of had to discover myself, you know. So this way you're getting to hear somebody who's, who's 
gone out and discovered this stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly commend this. This is a, a really uh, great effort on your part. And I hope, uh, I hope it uh, turns into uh, something a lot bigger. Look forward to seeing more. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks again for your time. God's peace. You, sir. You too. Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, be sure and check out the show notes page. That'll be at lutherancartographer.com slash 80. If you want to check out that Audible offer, and I encourage you to do so, so you can do that at lutherancartographer.com slash audible for that free 30-day trial that comes with a audiobook of your choice, including lots of great things like Pastor Will Wheaton's Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey. And until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.